the Evolve to Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Hello, I am Warren Munson, founder of Inspire and Evolve, and my guest on this podcast is Barbara Cox, an entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Barbara works with individuals, healthcare brands, and businesses to improve nutrition, well-being, and boost mental and physical performance. Apart from her current role as founder of BC Nutrition, Barbara previously founded and sold a business called NutriChef. We're going to hear more about that during the podcast. She is a contributor to several health and wellness books, and Barbara has won a National Entrepreneur of the Year Award. She has also been team nutritionist to 40 Paralympic athletes, trekked 102 miles in five days across the Sahara Desert, and was junior skating champion in her native Canada. During the podcast, we hear about Barbara's time in Japan and how that profoundly influenced her approach to nutrition. They eat on average 120 varieties of food a week compared to the UK average, which is only like 20. Her early mission to make healthy options more accessible. Working with um, supermarkets and corporates to, uh, you know, be more open to free from food, not as a destination in an aisle, but alongside regular food. Her fluid approach to corporate wellness. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all ideal of what a corporate wellness uh, strategy means to the client because every employer or employee or corporation has different needs and probably multifaceted needs. And her tip as to one of the best methods to implement lifestyle changes. Change one thing a day for six months or even one thing a week for a whole year and you've made 52 amazing changes that are that stick let's get on with the show welcome barbara to this week's edition of the evolved succeed podcast oh thank you warren it's great to be here well it's great to have you on the podcast and um Really excited about having you on this podcast because there's two things I really want to cover. I really want to cover your own personal story and journey, Barbara. Okay. And um, your personal kind of area of expertise, which is nutrition and how you've helped business leaders, business owners, athletes improve their performance through great nutrition. So we've got a lot to cram into this episode. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Shall we um, start with your own personal story? So skating champion in your native Canada. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been skating, oh, wow, on a frozen beaver pond, probably since I was four years old, but competitively since I was 10. So um, I was Canadian champion skater for four years from the age of 14 to 18. Uh, We did pairs dance with my partner, Rob. And yeah, how I fell into nutrition was that I ate absolute rubbish and I developed something called hypoglycemia where your blood sugars raise really quickly and then they crash and I couldn't train for the world team and it was really quite devastating at the time actually. Mm. But luckily my mum, who was a pharmacist and her best friend was a nutritionist, they worked really well with me to um, get back on my feet. Uh, But instead of getting back to skating, I decided to go into the world of nutrition to help other sports people mainly um, reach top performance and success and not... It was all through that personal experiences of yours that you found nutrition. Yeah, yeah. And then you came to the UK, 1993, was it? I did. So, oh, I'm trying to think now. Um, It seems a long time ago, doesn't it? Yes. So, came to the UK, but then left again for a a period of 10 years. Um, I lived in Japan for that time, went out to Japan on a teaching contract, Um, and then... Yeah, got all the principles for healthy meals while I was out there and then came back to the UK in 2001 and started my company in 2004. Yeah. I'm intrigued to hear what you've learned about nutrition from being in Japan because really healthy. Yeah, their way of lifestyle is just so different than the Western world. 
So initially it was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, but wow, just their lifestyle is different. So I'll take it just from a nutrition point of view. Mm. Um, they eat on average 120 varieties of food a week compared to the UK average, which is only like 20. Um, I was going to say five, so 20 is yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is good. So when I first went out there, I mean, I was trying lots of different things like seafoods and miso and stuff, but they also have really strict principles. So they have more um, omega rich fish than uh, meats. They have the massive variety. It's naturally gluten-free because their rice is one of their staples. Um, and they have just this variety of vegetables and it's a very seasonal um, kind of way of eating as well. So a, a lot of it is while, you know, couples are um, raising a family, the wife normally stays at home. It's very traditional this yeah. way. The wife stays at home and shops on a daily basis in local supermarkets. So they're buying seasonal local food all the time with these delicacies, anything from shiitake mushrooms, which is one of the first places that um, I really got into eating medicinal mushrooms to d different types of fish that's available year round. So it kind of awakened my whole taste buds. But what it also did was gave me the principles for the healthy meal delivery company that I produced when I came back here to the so UK. when you came back to the UK. Exactly. That's when NutriChef emerged. That's right. With those principles of Japanese food. Within. Absolutely, with okay. a Western taste. So, you know, what I found in 2004 is that because we were at the forefront of being wheat-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, salt-free, sugar-free, all of that, <laughs> uh, no one had really heard of it. So it's kind of like a nutritional culture shock I was almost putting my clients through at yeah. the beginning. So I had to be really careful if this blend between the Eastern tastes uh, with like a Western twist. So it seemed palatable, palatable. Whereas now in every supermarket, you can buy sushi, right? But yeah. back in 2004, you it could, wasn't there. No, was no, it? no, it wasn't there. So, um, yeah, we've come a long way here in the UK, um, you know, with opening our minds and, uh, ideas around healthy food. So when you reflect back at those early years of NutriChef, you, obviously you're trying to educate a market. So that would have been a challenge, but what other challenges did you face in those early years? Oh, well, so many. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, it, it's kind of a little bit of a blur because um, the first couple of years, you know, we had such uh, steep growth, but yes, there was an education element. So it was a bit sticky from that point of view because um, of the food labeling laws here in the UK as well. We're pretty um, non-existent. And so I wanted to also create a uh, food labeling law um, of it being transparent for customers. So there was a lot of things that we were trying to achieve in a, in a sort of wellness movement um, back then. So not only did I have, you know, the whole thing which started from my house, yeah. <laughs> my own home <laughs> kitchen. So many of us did, I do. <laughs> um, so that started from the house. And then once I reached 25 clients, it sounds crazy now, 25 clients, it's like, yeah, yeah. I got something, you know. And then I um, bought an industrial unit uh, hired my first chef and drivers and, you know, and, and we just kind of grew from there. So those, those regular growing pains of hiring staff to, um, premises, uh, banking overdrafts, all yeah. those, all those kinds of things. I was a nutritionist, so not a businesswoman, no business degree, no, no nothing, just an idea and a passion to feed people healthy food. Um, so there was a lot of lessons learned <laughs> along the way, lots of mistakes, lots of great stuff. Um, but I think when you're the, the template of the business kind of happened naturally, it was all the other nutritional elements that we wanted to do around it, like the food labeling laws, like working with, um, supermarkets and corporates to, uh, you know, be more open to free from food, not as a destination in an aisle, but alongside regular food. And I, I think we've got there because you go down yeah. supermarket aisles now and yes, there's still a free from destination aisle, but I mean, that used to be a disaster when we were launching yeah. products, you know, you didn't want to be there because you wanted to Nobody hit shop there. Exactly. And so now even down regular aisles, you see, you know, the dairy free, yeah. the wheat free alongside. Every category has got its Absolutely. sort of, maybe slim, maybe wide, but it's got its own yeah. shelf space for yeah. free form. Hasn't yeah. It? So it's changed a lot. And I would like to think that we, we really push that along. Yeah. Okay. So you must've gone through that period of frantic success. 
you know, that period I think I the described. whole 12 years was frantic <laughs> success, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and that's just a journey, isn't it? And it's a blur and it's, and you're bringing up two young children at the time. I was, my youngest was three years old and she's going to be 19 this Christmas. So yeah, it was, wow. it seems like a long time ago. So they kind of grew up with the business, but yeah. Um, so, you know, so one of the things that I always, you know, love to kind of delve into and understand a little bit more is for me, you know, I talk about evolve and I talk about success and I talk about holistic success and it's that balance between succeeding in business mm-hmm. and getting the balance to succeed personally in your personal life too. Yeah. So how did you juggle a growing successful business with being a mum? Yeah, it's a good question. I often look back on that and I get asked this an awful lot. And I, th- I think balance looks different for every single person. And I think what was maybe balancing in the younger beginning years in 2004, when I started, were very different in 2015 when I actually sold the company. So you grow with the team, but you grow as a person and the, your surroundings are, are different. But I, I think in the early days, it was, it was being really clear with my boundaries on time and being really transparent with my kids, you mm-hmm. know, Lily and Hannah. Um, I mean, as I said, Hannah was three, Lily must've been six. So, uh, it was great that, um, they were in full-time education. We, we put Hannah into, you know, Montessori school so we could start the business. But, um, it stopped when I got home. I had absolute full time and they had my full attention at the times that we were there. So I had, you know, things like cleaners and, you know, um, outsourced everything. Outsourced everything. And I was a mum when you were there. Exactly. And I was really lucky that I had a healthy meal delivery company. So, (laughs) of course, all my meals were done as well. Um, So that just made life so much easier. Uh, But yeah, you you know, I gave up a lot. You know, I remember times when maybe I missed their sports day or, but then there's other times that I thought, you know, wow, when, once they've gone to bed, I'll finish making their paper mache volcano or, you know, whatever it was at the time, I can still get flashbacks (laughs) of doing things like that. But we all talk about that. And I I think you've really reiterated a great point there. It's about being present in the moment, isn't it? Part of that separation is actually when you're at work, be present, make the most of the time there but really make the most of the time and be present when you're, you know, with your family, when you're doing the other things in love that you like to yeah. in life that you love to do. Yeah. And and that's a great kind of lesson for us all, isn't it? It is. And I'm really lucky though as well that I had the type of business that I could take them with me on certain things. Yeah. And um it's wonderful because you always get the the sort of memories come up on Facebook, don't you? And and uh, they've been to franchise exhibitions with me. Um, they've handed out the bars that we've had. They've done events with us. Um, and so I've tried to incorporate them in the business so they understood what it was. And I'm not saying that it's it was smooth all the time because sometimes they wanted more of my time and sometimes I couldn't give it. Um, but, you know, we created a lot of memories together within the business. Brilliant. So they actually had their own little office. So after school, we'd collect them from school and they'd come and, and they'd they'd do their homework. They'd meet the team and they would talk to the team. And and so it was this real kind of, you know, once, family. really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then they understood when I was really busy or when I was working, who I was with, what I was doing, where I was going. Yeah. Um, so I never really kept that from them. Yeah. Everything has a context then, doesn't it? It did. Yeah. 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 And are, are they interested in starting their own business? Have they got the spirit from you or are they pursuing other well, things in life? Uh, well, they're pursuing other things in life, but they do like business. So my youngest Hannah's just got into university uh, to study law. Okay. <laughs> so she's been doing some work experience with a local um, law firm, uh, Lacey Solicitors, actually, which is great. And um Yes, surprisingly, she wants to go into corporate law. So I don't know why <laughs> I must, but yeah, I mean, I think they have that entrepreneurial streak in them anyway. Um, but I think they also got a really good work ethic mm-hmm. because they saw what worked really well in our company, but they also saw what we had to deal with when things didn't work well yeah. and the stress either that caused or um, the issues we were faced with. And 
And yeah, they got a really great work ethic from that. So their work ethic now is is brilliant. brilliant. Uh, Li- Lily, my eldest, is autistic, but she holds three ta- three um, part time jobs working with local companies. That we've done this great onboarding uh, system for her. So Amazing. yeah, yeah, it's really good. Quite quite diverse. She likes to okay. keep busy. So 2015 comes along, built the business. Yeah. Reason for exiting? Well, it, it, was, it was quite fascinating. So kind of backing up to the recession, 2008, 2009, we, we've really got hammered. Um, I mean, we were seen probably as a luxury uh, service. Yeah, that so discretionary it, spend, I assume. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you're paying uh, a lot of money for a healthy breakfast, yeah. lunch and dinner, yeah, you kind of think you can do it yourself. So it felt like we lost half the business overnight. It was probably over a couple of months. But still, it was a kind of wake-up call to us that what we had to do was outsource in our busy times instead of us expand and take on staff. So we knew that we were going to get through the recession, and we did, but we put those things in, in place. So we outsourced in our busy times, which you can imagine our January, February, when, when people everybody really want to die. And then interestingly, it was also after Easter was another big time in the summer and then September, October. Those were really big periods where actually our um, it, sort of increase of customer base would double. So what we used to do is use a, a great local recruitment agency who would bring in staff for us and, and that worked well. But outsourcing worked really well for us. And so it was the company who we were outsourcing to at this time called us into a meeting. I guess it must have been maybe around um, Q4 of 2014. And I went with my business partner. And they didn't tell us what the meeting was going to be. And I kind of thought oh, do you know what? They're going to tell us they can't do our overflow. Was, <laughs> yeah. was exactly- yeah, and your heart was going like this. Yeah, and I was really kind of worried and, and going into this meeting. Anyway, we get to the meeting um, and the owners of the, uh, the outsourcing company were there and they had three consultants or two business consultants with them. And the business consultants said to us, they said, we've been um, tasked by, you know, the the- uh, catering company to grow their business. And we've identified the best way we can grow their business is to purchase yours. And, and I kind of was like really stunned. My business partner said, yep, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're not normally lost for words, Barbara. <laughs> I was, I was, cause you know, like this is your baby. And I'm like, really? Yeah. But things are still going well. Do I really want to let it go? And, and so we kind of had this discussion and then, um, Tony, my business partner at, at the time, he was our investor actually. And, and he said, you know, you just don't get opportunities like this coming along. He goes, you can hold on to it, yeah. but who knows what's going to happen in a, in a year's time. Um, and he said, you know, they're, they're coming to you. You're in the driving seat. Yeah. And so w- we kind of just blurted out a, a price and they immediately said, yes. And so we kind of think, oh, shoot, we should have like gone. Like, Why didn't we say more? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, after that, it was just processes. It was processes that the lawyers had to take all the IP, take, you know, everything and strip the business down to its bare bones and sell it bit by bit, which yeah. was difficult to see at the I time. I say emotionally, like you've, you've just used the words, it's my baby. Yeah. So emotionally, how did you sort of transcend that change in ownership? It was really tough because, I mean, I can say this now, but it, we had to keep everything quiet from our staff while this was going mm. through. And that's really tough because I had some stuff that had worked with me for 11 years and we were advised not to tell them what was happening at the time. We knew that some staff was going to be sold with the company to continue with um the level of excellence that we, that they wanted to continue with. And only, you know, they knew that and me being one of them. Um, but yeah, it was, it, that, that was really kind of stressful because you had to watch every word that you were saying in the office. And, and I, I'm a really open person. So I did find that really tough. And then of course, when we did tell them, we had the fallout of these people are losing their job Mm -hmm. or kind of my gain 
Although what they hadn't seen is I remortgaged my house for this company. I put in, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week for the last 12 years. You know, they they don't... Blood, sweat and tears and sacrifices that are... (laughs) undertaken yeah. as you grow a business yeah they, they nobody really sees and no. understands and 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 they don't understand it when you sell it until uh, because that's their security that's their life that's their home so those were difficult conversations to have um yeah but and then and then behind all that it's like this really exciting <laughs> exciting bit is happening it's like yes this is what you wanted to do when you started the business okay you had a 20-year plan and it's kind of come forward to 12 years and then, then there's also the scary bit afterwards. It's like, okay, so who are you going to be now? You were always Mrs. NutriChef mm. and now you got to reinvent yourself. Sort of shred that identity. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, there was a, a lot of things kind of happening and, and, um, being sold to the new company and working with the new company that again is, was very, very difficult working with a whole new team that, um, uh, didn't treat you. Not, not, not that there's some ego in here, but maybe a little bit, <laughs> uh, but didn't treat you the same way that your own staff treated you. And so they were just like, oh yeah, she's the one, you know, and, and this is hers and, and whatever kind of yeah. thing. Um, I think every that was founder, tough. business owner in a transitional period finds that difficult because, yeah. and it, it's just that starting to lose your identity, I'd imagine. Yep. Yeah. And, and there were a few times when there was, uh, you know, a little bit of sandpaper, I call it that, that kind of abrasion between me and their staff, because they, they didn't like understand. Uh, for example, for example, we were in the office one day and they were changing the menus. Okay. I have been head of menus with my head chef for a long time. That was your thing. That was my thing. And, and then, and there were really strict principles. And of course, they are now taking a look more at profit, at the types of food that are going on the menus, maybe scrimping a little bit more, maybe adding one or two ingredients like beef. I remember when beef first went on the menu and I was like, you can't do that. And they were like, well, it's not your company anymore. (laughs) And literally, Warren, I had to step out of the office, step into my brand new, fully loaded a5, <laughs> which I bought from the sale, and remind myself while I sniffed at the beautiful uh, fresh leather why I sold the company. <laughs> while counting to 10. <laughs> yes. So there we go. Breathe in the nice new yeah, leather breathe. and um, go back into the office and say, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Beef goes on the menu. Yours. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you there in the handover period and transitional period? Six you? months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Six Longest months. six months of your life? Well, actually, it was supposed to be two years. Okay. Yeah. And I left after six months. I, I found it tough, found it really, really tough. But actually, I think they found it more tough working with me. <laughs> <laughs> so we came to an agreement um, that because it was a two-year buyout, they wanted me to stay for the whole two years. And I said, well, you know, after after three months, I found it tough. And I said, oh, I'll do another three months, but only part-time. So it was three months full-time, three months part-time. And I kind of left and had three months off. I, I actually think I was slightly traumatized by the whole, mm. by the whole thing. It's I interesting just, though, because one of the things I, you know, we help clients grow, we help them on their journey and we help them exit. And my first thing that I talk to them about as we head towards an exit is plan now yeah. as soon as you can, take three to six months off Yeah. and rebalance and yeah. refine yourself and don't go rushing into anything new. No, exactly. And that's what I did. But actually, to keep my brain active, that's when I wrote my first cookbook, Rainbow Recipes. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of had to still have some structure to my day. Yeah. And I had never written a cookbook. And that was one thing that I could do that was actually a non-compete because I had so many (laughs) non-compete clauses. It was unbelievable. And so I did that. And yeah, I loved it. So it was a real kind of breathing period and breathing time. And I probably drove my kids crazy, actually. And they probably wished I'd got it. I was like, mommy. Mom's here. Mom's around. Yeah. It's like, oh, and even my cleaner. Oh my goodness. My cleaner. I remember her saying, would you stop cleaning the house, Barbara? <laughs> this is my job. And, and my I just, domain. yeah, I wasn't kind of used to that. So, but that was also tough in that three months because a lot of my friends obviously were still working. Hmm. So, you know, I text them in the morning, say, Hey, you free for a coffee or do you want to go for lunch? And they'd be like, no, we're working. And so, yeah, I, that's why I needed to do something with the time. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, but it was good. But yes, after the, that initial, I knew it was time to get back into doing something. Okay. So yeah. Rainbow Recipe has been a yeah. great success as a book. Really great. Still yeah. going four years on. I mean, uh, we are just, I'm actually this weekend on, I'm re-editing for a whole nother 15,000 book run. So okay. yeah, exciting. Listeners, go find the book. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you're, you're in that place then, you've sold the business, you're trying to find yourself. Nutrition is clearly key to you still. Yep. What, you know, what was the next step? How did you find the next part of your journey? Yeah, I'm still not sure if I have found that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, um, there's so many different things. I, I, so I wanted, because I had this non-compete, I really needed to reinvent myself what it was, but I had such a connection with one-to-one clients of improving their own personal health that that was definitely an area that I wanted to go down. So I created the Four Keys to Weight Loss, which is a really unique weight loss program, which is giving people recipes and working one-to-one with them. And that has been fantastic and and sort of what I do to top and tail my days. Um, but I just love the corporate wellness I mean, that is going into companies. So I've worked with Gather and Gather, which is uh, one of the biggest catering companies within um, the London area. They have 300 outlets um, in Sky, Vodafone, Next. And so working with them, creating their corporate wellness strategy, but also creating a healthy um, Live Well by Barbara Cox range that goes in there was superb. And I really loved that. So I'd go into these places and work alongside their team because I think that was the other thing. I, I missed working with a team and because kind of going back to that You're back solo. To that isolation place, yeah. weren't you? That, you know, I'm a consultant, I'm going in. And that's so lonely. You know, you miss that interaction between people and the bouncing of ideas. So, so doing the consultancy was brilliant. Um, but that meant that I was, I was based in London. You, yeah. you know, and, and so that was also, again, a little bit tough on the family, although even though they were uh, a bit older. So, um, yeah. yeah, maybe not as much. And you talk about corporate wellness and that, you know, that's quite a buzzword now isn't yeah. it, around wellness and you know, wellness for you as an individual, but corporate wellness and corporate wellness programs. Just tell me what you really mean and what does corporate wellness mean to you? Yeah, I think what corporate wellness means to me and what actually means to an employer might be two two different yeah. things. So I'm going to back up with how I did corporate wellness within NutriChef, which, you know, was my company, just kind of happened organically, excuse the pun, but <laughs> organically yeah. and naturally because we were a healthy meal delivery company. So we wanted to have the principles within the food. So therefore it kind of the staff instinctively took on those principles because they actually saw the transformation that our clients were going to. Now, our clients were top corporates. They were the ones that could afford our meals. So we had top business owners, celebrity, athletes, anyone at the top of their game who wanted to increase their performance, their mental clarity, and and take their career to another level, identified that nutrition was an area that they were lacking and we would do it for them because- it's a mind still yeah time yeah. poor exactly yeah. yeah so they saw these transformational um stories coming back into the company so of course they adopted them immediately so we had this like uber powerful team that yeah. were nutritionally fit really mentally clear being able to work the hours that we had to work i mean the catering industry is tough right? They're in that kitchen. They are standing. You have to be fit to, you know, do those hours. And of course we were quite, um, constrained by time. So there was a time pressure for the meals to be finished by a certain amount of time to go and be chilled down, to be packed and to get to the delivery for three o'clock in the afternoon to make sure it got to the client either that evening or the following morning. So, I mean, our production and delivery was slick, slick. But it also meant <laughs> at certain times of the day, stressful. Would yeah. Stress would have been through the roof. Absolutely. You know, if uh, if your lamb tagine or whatever isn't isn't cooled down to pack, then there's a obvious, uh, you know, breach of health and safety yeah. within there. So, I mean, we were, we, we, we had a really slick operation, but our team just dealt with it beautifully. And I believe that's because they ate well, they hydrated well. Um, we used to... Uh, 
you know, give them um, massage during yeah. the day with a massage therapist that that came in. Well, because they're standing there really, it's a real physical, physical job. job. Yeah, um, and so I wanted to keep them, you know, working really, really well. So we naturally did it within the company and we saw the results from that. I mean, I can't remember hardly anyone ever taking sick days. It, it just didn't, it just didn't happen. And then at the end of the year, if they didn't take the sick days, cause we had enforced holidays, um, because you know, no one wants yeah. to eat healthy at Christmas, right? <laughs> so we had our, all of our staff holidays at that time. Um, and then we would just give extra holidays. It's like, okay, well, you didn't have any sick days. So, you know, here you go. Here's, here's a couple of extra days. We can afford to tag it on this side of Christmas because you, you know, the, yeah. we were coming in with nothing. Volume. To, exactly. <laughs> volume was down. And, and so those were the kind of perks that we had, and that was brilliant. Um, and then, of course, they loved the perks of our celebrities who would come in and pat them on the back and endorse what they were doing because they felt great. And so they had this real connection with our customers. So we kept that. Brilliant. And it was those lessons well. that you've then been able to take it's, out there into the kind of outside world and real world. 100%. So when I'm working with other corporates, for them – I don't think there's a one size fits all ideal of what a corporate wellness uh, strategy means to the client because every employer or employee or corporation has different needs and probably multifaceted needs. So I do some work with Canon up in Rygate. And when you take a look at their business model, it's quite interesting because obviously it's a global uh, reach. They have anything from people sitting in-house to people um, on the road. So, you know, taking a look at their corporate wellness means an awful lot in, in different sectors. So when I go in there, it's like we say, okay, great. Well, you're going to need this for your sales team. You're going to need this for your, your drivers and this for your global ones. And let's get some translators in. Let's do some webinars. Um but as long as it's cohesive and you're seen like you're engaging in certain areas of wellness, which isn't just health and nutrition, by the way, it's a yeah. lot of different areas, um, then I believe that engagement in the different sectors of health, whether it be fitness, health, community, uh, financial well-being is a really big one that stresses so many people out, um, then you're contributing to their wellness, not only within the business, but actually when they go home, because there's a lot of stresses and strains that happen at home that people bring to work. So it kind of encompasses everything, um, taking care of the person as a whole, because that business is their community as well. I mean, you know, NutriChef grew maybe 40 something staff at, at the end and, and we were a community in, in ourselves. And I used to love seeing, you know, the drivers come straight in and, and just go straight to the kitchen to see everybody. Hey, how are you? It's a great part it, of running your business, isn't it? I mean, it is. Part, you know, it is. 50 people. And I love that sense of family and community. And yeah. And it's, it's wonderful. So, you, you know, they have, they've built those bonds between themselves and they get to know their families. They socialize outside. So I kind of felt responsible for taking care of them you know, like mama hen in yeah. a way, um, not only for the profits of the business, but actually to enrich them as a person so they can live a great life themselves is what I really wanted for them. Wow. So when I work with other companies, I, I work with their top layer team to show them what I did. Um, and the examples of that and they tend to want a little bit of that for themselves, which is really good. Brilliant. Yeah. They, yeah. They buy into it. They see the benefits. It exactly. rolls through the organization. Yeah. Can I go back? You touched on um, something that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, a lot of people in business, running businesses, concentrate on their physical. So they concentrate on exercise. They may, particularly in recent years, are starting to think about diet. Yeah. But- you touched on something there and that's the kind of mental health mm -hmm. and you know what's your feelings of, about the importance of diet in relation to how that can affect mental health massively right so interestingly this morning um i wrote this article on good mood food uh, and around healthy breakfasts and it is imperative to set yourself up 
for, <laughs> you, you know, the day eating, eating proper food that actually fuel the brain, but fuel your moods. Um, go back to my skating career. You know, when I had the uh, hypoglycemia and your blood sugar levels are roller coastering throughout the day, your moods are roller coastering with those blood sugar levels. So you can be on a high and you can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you crash and you feel really low. And then you're eating yourself out of it um, with high carb food, maybe sugars, caffeine overload. Then you're not sleeping properly because, you know, your blood sugar levels don't only roller coaster during the day, they roller coaster when you sleep. And so many people are having sleep problems. Then they're waking up tired and they're feeling low and they're feeling depressed and anxious and stressed. I mean, you know, it's, it is this constant, constant roller coaster. Throw into that mix the type of stresses that we have outside of the work, as well as there's um, more and more evidence out there of, you know, peer pressure and, and all of that kind of stress that adds to it. But also there are some learning difficulties that a lot of people have. With my daughter being autistic, it's really interesting to see people on the scale of autism that are undiagnosed which can also contribute to their stress and anxiety because we all work in different ways, don't we? You know, yeah, we, we certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's that dynamics with your team and your family on how everyone works as well. So for me, the constant um, thread between everything is if you can eat properly, then you can manage your moods more than if you don't eat properly. So I only have to take a look at my daughter, Lily, and, you know, in the early days when she had very high food sensitivities, I mean, she would have an epileptic fit if she ate something that, you know, um, sort of adversely affected her. And so taking a look at cleaning up her diet, you know, no gluten, no dairy, um, which are notorious with autistic people and, um, making them go into a very low mood. Yeah. So if you remove those, it automatically alleviates some of that immune response, restress on the body and reduces inflammation. Therefore their brain can actually work a lot clearer. So there was a lot of evidence with autistic people that I just moved that over to your everyday person. And then yeah. it's amazing how it actually perks up as well. Hence, all my books are written on an anti-inflammatory diet to reduce that inflammation, which reduces the stress, which has the body work properly. So, so many people also skip meals. And again, this constant thread that I love for everyone to have is if you can eat at regular intervals, you can eat at foods that are fueling the body in the way that they should be fueled, then you're less likely to suffer um, from those diseases of civilization. And, and I put mental health issues um, yeah. within that disease of civilization uh, because they can be corrected and protected against. So, yeah, and, and really simply, you know, I mean, uh, the article that I was writing this morning, it was actually, it's actually for a hotel chain who's asked me to do a healthy breakfast option. Um, yeah, which I'll tell you about later. It's going gonna, it's gonna to launch in January. And... We're going to be doing a breakfast bar and it's going to be positively fuel your day on, on a, a, with good mood food. And so we have oats, we have um, bananas, we have a citrus fruit, um, different types of seeds, different types of nuts. Uh, oh, I made a paleo granola that, grow, that goes in there. And these are really simple things that people can adopt but what we don't do and what we fail to do is plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like with a business, right? So if you don't have a proper business plan and execute a proper business plan, how's your business gonna gonna succeed? Well, it's the same with our bodies. If you don't, you know, properly plan for success in the fact that you want to fuel for success, then you know what you're gonna have a bit of a crash. Yeah, I've, I've got a big smile on my face because as you know, Barbara, <laughs> one of the things I've done in the last two weeks is move towards you know trying a new dairy diet yeah and i've realized now i've got to go to the shop more regularly i've got to plan what i'm going to eat yeah whereas before you know it was just like wow there will always be something to grab to eat but exactly you've got to plan definitely you, you, to get yeah. nutrition right yeah you Planning do is everything yeah exactly and i and i think a lot of it is is you know in our work life we're working so hard and actually that stress naturally depletes the body anyway so you probably need a little better nutrients to get you to another level 
But I think what I found out after I've sold the business and I worked so hard, but I also took great care of myself in that time is, you know, the older I get now that I'm in my fifties, I want to kind of think, wow, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live when I'm 80? Mm. And it hits home every time I phone my mom and dad who are still living in Canada, both of them 85. I had a Skype call with them yesterday. Right. Uh, my dad just put his golf clubs away because the snow is coming in Ottawa. So they've decided to go and spend the winter in Mexico so <laughs> okay. they can continue their healthy lifestyle there. And I think, yeah, do you know what, at 85? That's that a great sounds, life to have. That it? sounds awesome. But that's where I want to be. And actually, if we can... Um, treat ourselves so well now with that vision in mind of health and wellness when we're 85, we would probably fuel ourselves a little bit differently than mm. what we do. You do need to take a longer term view on it, don't you? You do. Big picture, big picture thinking. So one of the things, you know, you, the recipes in your book and hearing you speak from time to time, Barbara, is you're about being constant. You're about doing nothing to excess, but don't, you're not somebody that, you know, pursues sort of the fads. You're about great nutrition. Yeah. 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 Constant, great nutrition. And if occasionally you want a glass of wine, have a glass of wine. Occasionally you want a bit of chocolate, have a bit of chocolate. Okay. Yeah. There, there is that kind of realism to what you say and, and in your recipes too. But so what's your feelings on this whole vegan kind of movement and, you know, this kind of more trendy kind of, way of people thinking about nutrition. Okay. I've been in this industry a long time. Okay. And trends come and go. We've got what, Atkins diet, paleo, now the game changers, the vegan, the vegetarian, the, 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 the carnivore side, um, you know, where you just eat proteins. So I've seen it all. And I have a real mixed view about them because Again, there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for anybody's nutritional needs. And again, it goes down to planning. I don't mind people taking, uh, you know, veganism or, or trying it and, uh, you know, seeing if they like it. Is it nutritionally sound? In some cases, yes, but in some cases, absolutely not. So again, it's, it's um, case by case. But on the positive side of this, we should all be eating better than we are. <laughs> and so if someone is going to dabble with a trend that actually improves their lifestyle five or 10% and adopt some of those healthy ways, then I am absolutely a hundred percent for that. But as long as they really read into the research and that it's compliant research so as a member of the European Wellness Council, I, I speak all over Europe around labeling laws, especially, which I was just in Spain last week doing that. Um, and so all the sort of FDA laws, the um, informed sport uh, certifications on food, everything. So people really need to understand the science behind some of those before they start making big assumptions or implementing something that might cause a deficiency further down the road. Yeah. And I'm going to give a really good example. Um, a good friend of mine, and, and I think it's really fantastic that they've gone down the healthier route and been really swayed by some of the vegetarian, vegan trends that are there. But then when I ask, you know, what are you eating on a daily basis? So they're shopping in a, you know, a well-known supermarket, um, buying already meals in that because they don't actually know how to do it themselves. So, you know, they've got vegetarian sausage rolls, they got vegetarian bacon, uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you shouldn't be eating that anyway. That's just processed food. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, why? Exactly. <laughs> and so for me, that's what I can't get my head around. So you wouldn't choose a regular sausage roll. So why are you choosing a vegetarian sausage roll? You, you know, that, so it's that kind of thinking. It just needs a little bit more thought and planning. And that's when people actually need to buy some more books, listen to some more podcasts, actually get some, you know, 
proper advice on how to do it properly so deficiencies don't happen. Again, that big picture thinking, you know, the body needs a certain amount of nutrients every day just to survive. Well, you're not going to get it on a on a vegetarian sausage roll. So if you're going to go vegetarian- Not even two of them. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so, you, you know, it it is about, okay, what's the best choice for my body and my family at that time? And it is the 80-20 rule, Warren, you're right. Yeah. It's 80% really absolutely fantastic and 20% what you like. So yes, I, you know, I have healthy chocolate at the house. We have red wine at the house. Um, they are the best, you know, organic biodynamic wine, Cabernet Sauvignon, which has the highest amount of antioxidants. So if I'm going to have something, it's the best of the best and I don't yeah. not have it. If it's chocolate, it's a- absolute, you, you know, the best chocolate that's there. It's not mixed with dairy. It's, you know, the real stuff. So I allow myself that. And, and I allow the girls that and the the whole family, because, you know, you can rebel against all the health trends that are out there, which I don't think is the way to go either. But also I don't want people to do something a hundred percent on a health kick that sets them up to fail. Yeah. These are lifestyle changes. They have to be done step by step. So change one thing a day for six months or even one thing a week for a whole year. And you've made 52 amazing changes that are that stick. That's great advice. Yeah. That is amazing. That, yeah. That's the way of thinking about it. Isn't it, it is. It so is. I think you've really started to answer it there, but one question, I'm, you know, a business leader listening to this podcast knows they're not eating well, knows they want to make a difference, they knows they want to make a change yeah. to their nutrition diet. What's the first step they should take? Oh, hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> Drink more water. Okay. You know, mental clarity is is all around to, to hydration. And um, so, you know, planning for that as well. Uh, and with a lot of corporates, it's, um, I've just, last week, no, Monday it was, and I was working with, um, wow, someone who's, super busy, right at the top of their game. And I actually had to make him a tick list. So wake up at 6.30. Then you have your hot water with a slice of lemon. Then you have a green tea. Then you have this. And literally he's had to tick because he's so busy. There was almost no brain space available for him to implement a new routine. So I created a new routine, but I created a way of making it a daily healthy habit. And I got a text from him today and he goes, do you know what? I've slept the best. Last night was the best night's sleep I've had in ages. Brilliant. And so it's flooding their schedule with all the good stuff incorporated with everything else that they have to do in a really easable, easy, attainable, implementable way that makes sense. But they see rapid benefits. You have to see the benefits within the first week of doing this. So it's choosing correctly what is going to have the biggest impact. Hence, water normally has the biggest impact, but food variety also has that. Um, so I never, in in the first instance of working with people, never really take stuff away, you know, unless they're in super excess of caffeine or alcohol or something. I flood it with good stuff because what it does is it naturally doesn't leave room for the bad stuff to, to creep in because okay. your brain is just concentrating on getting all the goodness in that the, the other stuff just- The brain does its thing. Yeah, it just dissipates. It's really a, a fascinating kind of theory. I'd love to learn more about that actually. Yeah. Cool. So just to wrap up with a couple of quick fire questions, what hard thing are you not doing enough of? What hard thing am I not doing enough of? <gasps> Myself with my own business. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one because I'm probably going to say sleep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think sleep is a really important area. And I think because I have so much energy that actually I need to learn to stop and slow down sometimes. Get some sleep. Yeah. Because then I think, oh, I'll just do that one thing. I'll just do that one thing. And before I know it, I haven't wound down properly before I go to sleep. And I wake up and my brain is like super duper active. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sleep. Yep. Sleep. Okay, Okay, that's your takeaway from this podcast. It is. All right. I'll put that in my diary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you were the uh, Secretary for Health in Government, what one policy would you implement? 
Oh, uh, labeling laws, transparent okay. labeling laws. Labeling laws here in the UK are still voluntary. So um, that's really, and they're confusing. People don't know how to read a label. So I would make it really super simple and keep marketing messages down to a minimum. So you actually know what you're buying on the label, what's in it and how it benefits the body. Okay. Yes, that would, that would be it. Cause we wouldn't buy half the CRAP that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real passion, isn't it? That's come across that labeling piece is a real passion for you. Yeah, because people that's, don't know what they're eating. That's how things can change. Exactly. You know what? You buy it. You buy a fresh tomato. You know what's in it, right? Yeah. It's a tomato. Um, you know, you buy a tomato sauce, and it's got seventeen ingredients in it. Yeah. And we don't understand that. And that tomato sauce is what's causing the issues, not okay. the tomato. So yeah. Okay. One of the first times I ever heard you speak, and it was some time ago now, it was over a 100-mile trek that you'd done through the Sahara Desert. Yeah. And we've run out of time, and I was going to cover that off in a bit of detail. But So that was a huge personal challenge. Yes. Is there any other personal goals and challenges that lay ahead for you that you're setting yourself? Yes. Starting a new business is one personal goal and challenge. Um, from a physical point of view, I've really got into um, yoga. Okay. And I love the... Uh, yeah, because I'm really bad at it. But I, I love the aspect that I'm oh, not yeah, <laughs> that, that I'm not good at it. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I fall over, I lose my balance. I, um, you know, it really is a mental clarity game, that one. Doesn't really. the ice skater when you come out with that sense of balance? and It does, but, but it, you know, the older you get, your balance goes off a little bit more. And, and yeah, so I would say it's that. As for physical challenges, you know, I still do my beach walking. I was out beach walking today okay. at lunch, do my power walks, but I won't be doing any ultra marathons anymore. That's I don't done. think that's done. done All done. ticked off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Barbara, that's been brilliant. It's been great to hear from you. Um, if people want to learn more about Barbara and what you're up to and get some advice from your nutrition, where can they find more about you? Best place is my website, which is barbaracox.me. Brilliant. Thank you, Barbara. It's Thank been great you. to have you on this episode. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an enjoyable and insightful discussion with Barbara. In a world where we can't turn on the TV, open our phones or read a newspaper without being told about some new nutritional fad or contradicting fact on nutrition, it was great to hear Barbara's very simple, pragmatic and straightforward approach to nutrition and wellness. Some great examples of this will just change one thing at a time and focus on being good and having great nutrition for just 80% of the time. I therefore challenge you, the listener, to reflect on this podcast and have the belief and courage to change just one thing in your nutritional regime and see the difference it can make. If you want to access further insightful content and inspiration, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and register for free to get access to the Evolve community. Finally, please do not forget to subscribe to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for listening.